Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. From the broadcast to the podcast, it is your man DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our box spot, and on my Uwego. We invading airwaves. Everywhere invading airwaves. Hold up, why them haters mad? Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Yes, y'all, yes, y'all, yes, y'all. We are back for another edition of Cool Radio. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool, and the cool is in full effect. We have a great show for all of you listening, and there's going to be a lot of topics to dive into. We got to talk about Nicki Minaj and her husband getting into some legal trouble. We also got to talk about a possible beef between Meek Mill and Tory Lanez over social media. Mm, don't know how I feel about that, but we'll dive into that later on. Also, we got to talk about Drake anointing Rick Ross as the best rapper alive. Very interesting take. What could that possibly mean? Who knows? Either way, we got a lot to get into. Um, the Wankster of the Week this year, whoo, it's going to be a, t- a contender for top five Wankster of the Year. I guarantee you on that. But before we get into all of that, you already know how I do. I got some things to get off of my chest. So on that note, I think it's time that we, uh, oh, I don't know, let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. So in today's edition of Let That Ish, let that ish Breathe, we got to talk about Lil Baby for a second. And I thought he made some very interesting comments. Nothing controversial. Nothing controversial at all. I don't think so, at least. It's nothing too crazy. Uh, but nonetheless, he was being interviewed by MSNBC on his single entitled The Bigger Picture, which came out last year in 2020. And it was amidst the uh, the civil unrest amongst the black community within America with uh, what was happening to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and everything in between. So that record has now gone double platinum. And he was just basically talking about what that record meant to him and how it's not just a George Floyd song, whatever the case may be, but just about you know a lot of the plight that the black community within America has had to go through for several years. And one of the things that he mentioned during that interview was that he said that he prefers not to talk about social matters or politics outside of music. So this is what he said in in the interview, and I quote, I don't really catch what's going on or what people are saying. I don't really want to just speak on situations, especially when I don't know the whole backstory, because something I say might get misinterpreted. So I'm quiet as far as me posting. So that's in reference to mentioning something that's happening within the world of politics or anything uh, within the uh, social sphere, um, posting on social media or anything like that. So I read that quote. I read that statement. And I said to myself, smart move. Smart move. I don't blame him one bit. Not one bit at all. You know why? Because in this era, more than any other era, One thing that you say that somebody can misinterpret without any context whatsoever, and they will put you on the chopping block for being, quote unquote, canceled. And we've seen what cancel culture can do. And I'm going to dive into that later on in the episode. But he's smart for taking that approach, because no matter what he says, if he has an opinion on it could be on welfare, it could be on abortion, it could be on anything. It could be on how. Black Lives Matter choose to choose to, to protest, for example. He can he can speak on any of those things, speak as eloquently as possible, deliver all of his takes in 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 a very highly articulated fashion. And no matter what, despite anything that he may say with ultimate clarity and clairvoyance, somebody is going to misinterpret that. That's gonna cause that's gonna create a ripple effect with more people misinterpreting that people are going to say, yeah, or he's wrong. He's wrong. This person's right for saying that he's wrong. And then before you know it, he gets quote unquote canceled, but we've seen with cancel culture, it can at least put a halt to whatever momentum that you currently have right now. Again, I'll get into that later on, but nonetheless, I don't blame him for that. But more importantly than that, 
what has happened over the years, especially within the black community, mm-hmm. especially within the black community, too many people have relied upon celebrities within the black community to be the voice for civil unrest and to speak on civil unrest, to speak on politics and anything that could affect society as a whole. And the problem with that is that they are not the ones who are best fit or best suited to talk on to talk about those things. Now, granted, there are some celebrities within the black community who are knowledgeable on those matters. Some people who like to speak on those matters through their art. But at the end of the day, they should not be the focal point of talking about these things. I remember years ago, this is probably like in the early, maybe mid 2000s at best, when Dave Chappelle was doing a stand up. And I think they were talking about um, it could have been the elections around that time when George Bush was running the country. Um, it, it could have been a myriad of different things. But basically, Dave, Dave Chappelle, in his signature way, basically stated that he's not going to want to go to political news. Um, or sorry, he's not going to want to go to Ja Rule, for example, for, for political news or on what he thinks that they should do with the country or whatever the case may be. And it's funny because even though he was kind of like being tongue in cheek about it, this is literally what the black beauty has done for so many years. They're always heavily rep- uh, uh, rely upon, you know, musicians and actors and anything like, and everything like that in between to have some guidance as far as what they should do. Like, Puff Daddy should not have to tell you, vote or die. You should already want to vote. <laughs> you know what I mean? You should already want to vote. You know, Ice Cube shouldn't be the one telling you to rally against the police or whatever the case may be. Not saying you shouldn't rally against police, but he shouldn't be the one sparking that. That's his own artistic you know, mindset as far as what he wants to do. But you shouldn't have to go to him and be like, Ice Cube, what should I do? You shouldn't have to. Uh, and especially nowadays, I don't think he that's the last thing he wants to do because he was trying to align himself with Trump to get his little initiative off the ground. But whatever, that's a whole another topic for another day. Either way, all I'm trying to say is there has been too much reliance when it comes to or over-reliance, I should say, when it comes to the black community relying upon celebrities and stars to speak for them. They are not the most qualified people to do it. There's a few of them who do have thoughts, views, and opinions on what should happen, but their thoughts, views, and opinions are just like yours. Like They're not the lawmakers. They're not the ones who are going to put it in action. A few of them, and I mean a few of them, may have some leverage or pull to at least get on the phone with certain people in power, maybe like a Jay-Z, for example. He could talk to somebody and be like, hey, you know... I'm pushing this agenda or I'm pushing this initiative. What do you think of it? Like, does it have some legs, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not going to go to Erica Badu. I'm not going to go to most deaf. I'm not going to go to a boogie with the hoodie. I'm not going to go to a those people and say, Hey y'all, what should we do about this initiative? It's it, it, and it almost reminds me of last year as well. Now that I'm talking about it, it reminds me of last year when social media was going off when certain people within the rap community weren't mentioning anything about um, the Black Lives Matter protest for George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and things of that nature. But here's the thing. They weren't posting about anything at all. They weren't posting about that. They weren't posting about what outfit they were going to wear that day. They weren't posting about, you know, their new album coming out. They weren't posting about anything. They, they went cold black. They went DEFCON zero. No post, no nothing, no nothing like that at all. But because of the era that we're in, more than ever, if you didn't post something, if there's no picture to it, then it doesn't exist. And if you don't post about, you know, being at a protest, you just taking a selfie at being at a protest, then that means that you don't care about Black Lives Matter or black people in general. And I think that's so childish and it's so stupid to have that mindset. Because now what you're going to do is you're going to get people who are going to take endless pictures of themselves at these rallies and pretending that they care when, you know, sometimes maybe they do care. They just don't think that they have to have it telegraphed or some people just generally don't care. Like this reminds me of when, uh, what's her name? No name. 
diss J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar without saying their names, but it's pretty obvious this day that she was dissing them. And she was talking about how artists like them profit off of black play, yet we don't see them at any rallies or anything like that. And of course, J. Cole, you know, being, you know, biracial and him having to overcompensate because of that. And that's not me dissing. That's just what I've noticed when it comes to a lot of biracial black people. They have to overcompensate for their blackness because of the fact that they're half. He kind of went into his feelings. He did a song about it, addressing the situation. And then you saw pictures of him protesting and all that stuff, which he didn't need to do that. He just didn't need to do that. But I feel like people like No Name and other people who have that mindset played up on, you know, how he feels about certain things and what he's done with his music in in regards to speaking on those issues. And they baited him out. Even though J. Cole has already done you know, so much for different organizations to uplift people who are who are marginalized. I mean, he's already he was already at the uh, already at the rallies at Ferguson back in 2014. He was already there. Videotapes of him and everything just talking to people. Obviously, he wasn't making any big decisions, but he was just talking to people, getting a sense of how they're feeling, what have you. Meanwhile, he was basically in the middle of another album run, like very close to it, actually, because I think uh, Four Seals Drive dropped later that year anyway. Speaking of which, the house that was on the album cover of that, of that, of that, of that album, that was the house that he grew up in. And he turned that house into basically a safe space and a shelter for for single mothers who are kind of like in between jobs or whatever the case may be. And they just needed a safe place to like raise their their child or their children until they can get their feet back up. And he had them living there rent free. But people are going to denigrate him because he didn't take a picture of himself at, at a Black Lives Matter protest. And so. Going back to Little Baby, I get what he means when he says, I don't want to speak on these things outside of my music. Why? Because people are going to misinterpret whatever I'm saying. And that has happened so often in this day and age more than any other. And especially if you're a high profile celebrity within your craft, like Little Baby is right now. One small thing that he says that people will misinterpret and he's on the shopping block. And we saw this with a myriad of people, you know, recently, including the baby. Now, mind you, mind you, what the baby said was not right at all. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. It was not right at all. And all the backlash that he got, he had it coming. Not saying that I'm feeling sorry for him at all whatsoever. But the fact that, you know. People will rush the moment you say something that's questionable. I mean, that was definitely questionable for sure. But even something that needs a lot more context and speculation, people will still question that anyway because it's shoot first and ask questions later when it comes to the wild, wild west of social media. That's just how social media is. So for him to say that, I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. I don't blame him at all whatsoever. But what do you guys think? Should he speak more on it? Should he speak about these issues more in his music? Either way, let me know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. All right. So let's get to the next topic, shall we? Let's get to the next topic. Um, we were talking about Lil Baby and how he doesn't want to talk about certain things outside of music because they may get misinterpreted and misconstrued. And when that happens, that leads to cancel culture. And that's what I want to talk about for, for the mic check segment uh, for, for this episode. Cancel culture. Does it work? Does it not work? How effective is it? Is it a detriment? Let's discuss this because this is something I've wanted to discuss in full for a very long time. And I just haven't gotten the chance to because, you know, the new cycle, it's, it's forever constant. And everything always revolves around one thing half the time. But nonetheless... Let's talk about cancel culture right now. So I would say cancel culture became a thing probably, I want to say, somewhere between 2013 and 2015. That's what I'm thinking because social media was in full swing. You had so many different apps at the time, whether it was Facebook, Twitter, Instagram was fairly new around the time as well. 
so many so many vehicles where you can get your thoughts, views, and opinions on. And at the same time, this is right around the time when the podcast boom began, where everyone you knew or every other person that you knew at the very least had a podcast and therefore wanted to get their opinions out that way as well. Cancel culture was originally designed, in my opinion, to basically single out the ones who had been getting away with, you know, heinous acts, you know, based upon their privilege as celebrities and to hold them accountable. And it kind of works for a while. Like we're, people were calling for, they were calling for R. Kelly. They were calling for Bill Cosby. They were calling for uh, Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein. They were calling for Kevin Spacey. They're calling for a lot of people, basically, to kind of answer for, you know, their, I guess, their crimes that had gone unpunished, so to speak. And I'm at first, I'm thinking, OK, this is pretty interesting. Like, if we're going to hold them accountable and just and not, you know, let them get away with certain things because they're a celebrity, then I dig it. You know, if it's things that they've that they've recently done or things that they've been doing consistently throughout for the last, I don't know, let's say de- decade, for, uh, for example. Cool. That's how it started off. And everything was all honky-dory. But then somehow, some way, things got, take, got taken too far. It started getting to a point where people were now being punished for things that they may have said 10, 15 years ago and were being reprimanded for it. Keep in mind, they may not have done certain things, that certain thing since then, but then they were getting punished for it because the cancel vultures kind of came out. And because of the power that social media has to a certain extent, a lot of big name corporations got scared that if they didn't take immediate action, then they would lose out on on basically money and earnings from these people who are most likely fans of their product. So therefore, they had to, you know, fire somebody or they had to, uh, you know, let somebody go or whatever the case may be. For example, I remember what was I can't remember exactly which year, but I remember there was a year where the Oscars only nominated uh, white actors and white directors for for all of their awards and not one person of color. And I don't think even one woman was was nominated for any awards. So. Twitter had a field day with it, and all you saw was hashtag Oscar so white. And since then, there was a huge decrease and decline in the Oscars. Now, that could be attributed to a lot of things. I mean, in general, a lot of people aren't really watching award shows these days anyway because it's kind of the same formula. Unless if it's like maybe in a, a music award show, at least by at that standpoint, you're getting entertained. But when it comes to like the Oscars and the Emmys and anything that's related to television and film... There's not a whole lot that's entertaining about it. We're just watching a bunch of people in their suits and what have you get, getting their awards and stuff like that. There's not much entertainment value that goes with it. So that could be a reason as to why. But anyways, I digress. I remember when Kevin Hart became one of the more notable names that kind of got affected by the negatives of cancer culture. And essentially what happened is somebody basically pointed out that he made a comment within the stand-up routines about about homosexuality and if his son was gay that he would beat him up or something like that. So this was back in 2011 when he said this during a stand-up routine. And we're going to get to stand-up in a second actually. We're going to get to stand-up in a second. But he made that comment and this was around the time when you know when people were calling for him to be reprimanded. This was when he was being named the host of the Oscars. I think this is, what, 2019, maybe, if I'm not mistaken, 2018, 2019, around one of those two years. And, of course, people went digging, and they found that, and people were saying, cancel Kevin Hart, et cetera, et cetera. Kevin Hart already apologized for it, you know, beforehand. But then, for whatever reason, the Oscar committee, or the Academy, was basically calling for Kevin Hart to apologize for it, or else he would no longer be the host of the Oscars. So Kevin didn't want to apologize for it because he said he had already apologized for it. And he felt like if he had apologized for it again, that would only be because that he, would, that he was only doing it just so he could still have his hosting gig for, for the Oscars. So he doubled down and decided not to apologize because he had already done it and he's not going to do it just to you know satisfy 
or pander to the crowd that's calling for him to apologize for it, even though he already did. And he chose to no longer host the Oscars. And instead, they, they pivoted towards Chris Rock. So they basically kind of cost him a huge opportunity in his career. And that's not to say that you know he would never get one like that again. But when you're calling to cancel somebody for a comment that they made 10 years ago, and they haven't repeated any of those actions since then, and then you want them to apologize all because of the fact that they now have a huge opportunity uh, that was pre- presented in front of them that could further their careers. I don't know. I think we're kind of missing sight of what cancel culture is supposed to be. And then that kind of goes into the realm of, co- of comedians as well. A lot of comedians, it, you can make the argument that a lot of their work and all their creative you know, integrity is being stifled upon because there are certain jokes that they cannot make, even though if they have like the most amount of nuance within them possible and kind of having to like read in between the lines of said comedic material, because certain things may offend certain groups, then they are at risk of being canceled as well. Now, I get it. You know, if we're talking about the extremes, like using slur words for no reason at all, there's no context, there's no um, there, there's no nuance to them whatsoever, no, no, clever, no, no clever satire to go with it as well, then yeah. I mean, like if you rely upon that, then you probably shouldn't even be a stand-up comedian in the first place. And for people to want to cancel you, I get it. Like if it's a Michael Richardson situation from 2006, then yeah, of course you're going to get canceled. But for a lot of comedians like Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, um, Bill Burr, who use a lot of nuance and they use a lot of double entendres and they use a lot of detailed storytelling within their comedic routines. Because somebody lacks the ability to read nuance, they're going to say, oh, he's being sexist. Oh, he's being racist. Oh, we got to cancel this guy right now. For what? Because you don't know how to read, read nuance when it's presented in front of you? Again, another situation where cancel culture goes wrong. And, and here's the thing about cancel culture as well. Me personally, I don't think it's that effective, in my opinion. I don't think it's that effective. Because <clears throat> when it comes to it, we have yet to see anyone since this whole cancel culture thing began that has really been like canceled, per se. Like, their career has ended. I mean, think about it. You think about somebody like, let's say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say R. Kelly, for, exa- for example. So R. Kelly has gotten away with his, with his crimes for like two and a half decades now. He's currently in jail. But if he gets released or if he's found not guilty of whatever crimes that have, that have been charged towards him, all this guy needs to do is put out another hit and he's fine because there's still a legion of fans that he has who st- still believe that he did not do any of those crimes. He will still be an artist that's going to get, you know, some sort of play like it could m- maybe not radio, maybe not mainstream radio. But we are now in the era of streaming. People will still stream his records if that's, if that's the case. You know, I was just talking about Kevin Hart for a second. Kevin Hart was canceled for a few months. This guy has his own show on Peacock. Peacock, for those who don't know, is a streaming service for NBC. In fact, him and Snoop Dogg, to, Snoop Dogg together were doing their own brand of Olympic coverage for, for the past two weeks. So he's not canceled, clearly. Uh, speaking of Snoop Dogg, him and Russell Simmons, Simmons, somebody who was in danger of being canceled, they're, they're teaming up for, for a project. I can't remember exactly what the details are, but they're combining their efforts for a project that, that will be released to the public soon. Rick Ross, I said this about Rick Ross last week. He was the one out here talking about putting a Molly in a drink. She ain't even know it. That was back in 2013. All he needed was a few more hits, and he was back. That's it. So... When it comes to cancel culture, I feel like cancel culture is something that a lot of people on social media, they, 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 they run towards the hills with. They make all this outrage. The big corporations get a hold of it. I mean, speaking of big corporation, this just came to mind. Uh, remember when James Gunn got fired from, from, from Marvel because of comments that he made 
back in like 2010, 2011 on, on social media and some right wing Republican person unearthed it. And he got fired from being the director of Guardians of the Galaxy because Disney basically panicked. Then look what happened. Shortly after that, he gets a, a call from, from Warner Brothers saying, hey, do you want to direct the Suicide Squad for us? He's like, yeah, sure. And he even got to the point where the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy said, if you don't get back James Gunn, then we're not doing these movies anymore. Fast forward, James Gunn is back with Disney, back with Marvel, and he's going to be directing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So I say all this to say that when it comes to cancel culture, it's very temporary. There's no long-lasting effects of it. There really isn't. Like some people will argue, you know, Kevin Spacey, you know, didn't get away with it, but he was still out here doing commercials. Harvey Weinstein's been quiet, but it doesn't mean that he's been. Go- it doesn't mean that he's over. I mean, he's amassed a, a, a wealth of fortune over the years. The only person I can probably think of is Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein because he killed himself in jail. But it wasn't because of cancer culture. It was because somebody was going to kill him in jail. So he did it himself. Maybe Bill Cosby. But even then, Bill Cosby's old at this point. He's not as relevant as he used to be. No one's really checking for Bill Cosby in 2021. So can we really say that he's canceled? I sincerely doubt that. The man's not canceled at all. And finally, before I wrap this, 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 um, this topic up, when it comes to cancel culture, I feel like there's a double standard when it comes to cancel culture. And I'm not trying to pit one group against the other, but these are just things that I've noticed. So when it comes to, double, when it comes to cancel culture, there are a few double standards that I've noticed. So for example, I just talked about Rick Ross talking about how he could put a, a, a drink in a, or a molly in a girl's drink and she ain't even know it. So he said that in his song and he's implying that he would put, you know, some sort of date rape drug in a girl's drink so that she could do some freaky things with them later on. He's implying that we don't even know if, if he's actually done that. I'm not saying he hasn't. But as far as we're concerned, from a musical standpoint, he's he's making those implications. Not saying that he should be saying that in the first place because that's scummy. But if we compare that to Cardi B, who was actually public on social media, not even in the song, but in social media, saying that when she was a stripper, she used to drug her, 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 not associates, her, her clients, had sex with them. And then once they were knocked out, she used to rob them. No one says a word about it. She literally said on camera on social media that she would drug her clients, have sex with them, and when they were knocked out, passed out, that she would rob them. I, I, what? Rick Ross was like, Rick Ross had endorsements pulled out of his ass for like a whole entire year talking about possibly doing something like that. Cardi B gave out a full kid uh, confessional saying that she, in fact, has done that before. And yes, she still has her endorsements with Pepsi and 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 car dealership companies for for them playing her songs. And not one time has anyone called for the cancellation of Cardi B. So that's another thing with cancel culture. It's like, where do you draw the line? And are all cancellations created equal? I say, no, they're not all created equal at all because on one end we canceled one person for an entire year possibly and on the other end we didn't even bat an eyelash so if you are going to be about this cancel culture life call it from the call it down the middle keep that same energy from whomever whether it's a man whether it's a woman whether it's a black person or a white person straight person homosexual person call it for what it is don't give any person any kind of slack just because they may be seen as a lower as being part of a lower end of society than someone else in comparison. Don't do that because if you're about this equality of life, then call it for what it is. Be objective about the scenarios. Don't just call it on one end and then, then just be completely casual on another end. That's all I'm saying. So in conclusion, when it comes to this topic, because I know I've been kind of running long on it now, is when it comes to cancer culture, what needs to be done about it is is to hold people accountable. 
You don't have to delete their entire life because they did something wrong or said something wrong 15 years ago and have actually progressed in life since then and, and in terms of like a moral standpoint and then cancel them because you, you found out some dirt that they did way back in the day. No, just it's all about accountability. That's what it should come down to. Now, if it's somebody like an R. Kelly who consistently keeps doing some shitty things, then yeah, of course, cancel. But at the end of the day, it's all it's just about holding people accountable and not just one person accountable. And the other person you get, a, they, they just get a little slap on the wrist. No, keep that same energy. Keep them equally as accountable as you would the next person. That's all it should come down to. But at the same time, I also feel like cancel culture is somewhat of a boogeyman as well. They, people get scared, especially the, the big, large corporations. They get scared about the public outcry. And they equate it to them losing money or possibly losing money. And then they just basically put that person who's under their payroll on a timeout. So can you really say that it's working? I don't know. I don't think I can say that. I personally wouldn't say that it's working at all. But at the end of the day, if you really want to keep people accountable, then keep them accountable. But don't try and dig up the dirt that they did from like 15 years ago that they've basically, you know, absolved themselves from or have been absolved from and just keep it moving i would say only you know combine your forces to basically punish the ones who continue to do wrong on a consistent basis that's the only thing i would say to that but other than that i don't know cancer culture can be very problematic because i feel like it, it lacks a lot of context and nuance and those are certain things that you really need to take into consideration for any situation in general so that you have all of the facts and you're not just operating on emotion, you're operating on sound logic as well. So that's what I would say in regards to that. But I'm curious to know your opinion as well. What do you think about cancer culture and how it can be best utilized or if it is being utilized properly at all, if any? Either way, let me know. Hit me up on all my socials and I'm curious to get your take on that as well. All right, so let's get into trip talk now. You already know what it is, man. Three of the hottest topics that took place in hip-hop and pop culture. And on that note, let's get to it. So first topic I really want to discuss, Nicki Minaj. Okay, so Nicki Minaj and her husband, Kenneth Petty. They're currently being sued by Petty's um, rape victim from 1995 who goes by the name of Jennifer Ho. And she is claiming that she is continuously being bribed, harassed, and threatened over the years since Nikki and Petty began dating back in 2018. So, in an article, according to HipHop.com, they are stating that the victim is suing the married couple for intentional infliction of emotional distress, harassment, and witness intimidation in addition to sexual assault related to the 1995 case. Ho claims the Queen's legend offered to fly her and her entire family to Los Angeles if she recanted her statements about the rape allegations after Petty was arrested in March of 2020 for failing to register as a sex offender. He recently struck a plea deal to lay his sentencing. As a result of declining, Ho said she received unsolicited visits and was repeatedly harassed through phone calls. Ho also claims that Nikki then went to her brother and offered him $500,000 in exchange for her calling off her statements about Petty being a rapist. Lawyers allegedly pulled up to Jennifer Ho's residence, and then she received another $20,000 attempted bribe. By this point, Ho felt unsafe and fled her residence in August of 2020 as she fears for her well-being. Whew. Okay. Wow. Now, this is very interesting because this isn't the first encounter that Nicki Minaj has had when it comes to sexual assault within her family. So not only was her husband, you know, arrested and convicted for that, but her brother was also arrested and convicted for child pedophilia. And she even tried to defend him in that case as well. So when it comes to Nicki Minaj, I mean, y'all know I'm not the biggest fan of Nicki Minaj at all, even in the slightest. I'm not going to say that she doesn't have any rapping ability. Like when she actually tries, she's actually like a, a pretty good rapper. But a lot of the th- it's her content that I just don't agree with because she's very toxic and stuff like that. And it seems as though that same level of toxicity is being expanded upon 
outside of the music as well. And I think my biggest critique about Nicki Minaj as a musician is that she's always talking about women empowerment and bigging up other women and what have you, yet she has never consistently collaborated with other female artists within rap specifically, maybe a pop star here and there, but within rap, nope. I mean, there's been a lot of talented rap uh, uh, rappers out there as well. Like she's, she could have collaborated with Nitty Scott. She could have collaborated with Snow the Product. She could have collaborated with Rhapsody. There was even uh, a conversation that her and Trina had, you know, over, I think it was either social media or on the radio show, talking about how they should collaborate soon. Let's do this. Let's do that. But it never happened. She just she never went along with it. She could have collaborated with Remy Ma. But then, of course, they had their little beef issue. And really, the only artist that she's collaborated with, like as far as like mainstream goes, was Cardi B, but only because it was on Offset's record. And then um, Meg Thee Stallion. That was it. That was just about it, really. And that was those collaborations were recent. So I just find her to be a bit of a hypocrite when it comes to women empowerment. And now the fact that we're adding this into it when it comes to the pedophilia case that her brother went through, as well as this current one. And she's defending the the, the men who are not only accused, but the men who were convicted about it as well. And then on top of defending it, trying to bribe off the victim. Man, I'm sorry, but Nikki is a piece of trash in my opinion. This should be the wankster of the week, um, but I think that'd be self-explanatory. But you want my opinion on this? Nikki is a piece of garbage. She is trash for this. You are literally defending your husband, who is a reg or who should be, I should say, a registered sex offender because he basically forced himself onto this woman back in 1995 in fact there's a few more details about this um again same article from hip-hop dx at 16 years old petty was convicted of first degree attempted rape back in april of 1995 prosecutors allege he coerced ho into sexual relations with the use of a sharp object in september of 1994 at his home petty served nearly four years in new york prison so he basically threatened her with a weapon to have sex with him and this is the same man that she is defending and not only defending, but trying to bribe off her, his victim with lavish trips and, and an exorbitant amount of cash as well to go with that. And yet this is the same woman talking about female empowerment, owning, owning your femininity, all that stuff. Listen, all that shit only applies to her. That's it. It only applies to her. And she'll only say that just to rile up her fan base in a positive way. So to get more women to to buy her albums or what have you. But she's not living that life. You're not living that life when you're actually bribing female rape victims to not testify against your husband. You're denying the facts that your brother molested little, little girls. And this is the same person talking about female empowerment. You've got to be fucking kidding me. This would be like, this would be like uh, Dr. Umar Johnson, you know, promoting slavery. You know what I mean? With, with as pro-black as he is, that would be like him promoting slavery and how it's a great thing. Imagine that. Now, he doesn't have the pop culture cachet that Nicki Minaj does. But nonetheless, for somebody who preaches that message and you do the exact opposite, that makes you a hypocrite. And Nicki Minaj is the biggest of hypocrites with, with these latest transactions or transgressions, I should say, at this point. So Nicki Minaj, you're, 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 you're a piece of shit. That, that's the best way I can put it. You are a piece of shit and you are a lying hypocrite. I mean, if we're it's funny, we were just talking about cancel culture. I mean, if people want to cancel Nicki Minaj for this or want to launch a cancel Nicki Minaj campaign based off of this, I wouldn't even be mad. I'd be like, you know what? She kind of deserves it. Of course, cancel the guy because he's the one who committed the act in the first place and is basically complicit in the in the bribing of his victims. But it seems like Nicki Minaj doesn't want to spearheading it because of the fact that I'm almost certain that she is the majority earner between the two since she's a multi-million dollar or multi-platinum recording artist. Man, Nicki Minaj, I I don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, oh, man. Listen, all the barbs out there, I'm curious to know what you guys think about this case because this is wild. When I read this, I was like, no, this can't be life. This can't be love. It absolutely cannot be. But going back to what I said before, when it comes to cancel culture, and again, I'm not trying to put two, pit two groups together. I'm just commenting on what I've witnessed over the years. And all I know is that if this were a man doing this, a man in Nicki Minaj's position in terms of the cachet, the power, the clout, etc. If this were a man, we'd be calling for the cancellation of this man. I do not know why we are not calling for the cancellation of Nicki Minaj if, if there are legs to the story. Even if there aren't legs to the story, there have been, legs to, there have been no legs to a litany of stories that people just ran with anyway. And this story is relatively recent. I think the story broke broke away uh, back on August 13th, which is on Friday. So who knows? Maybe there might be some more momentum that it'll catch. But regardless, for all the people who are cancer culture advocates, I need y'all to keep that same energy. I need y'all to keep that same energy. If you're going to cancel somebody for doing less than this, Oh, then I need the the, the force of 10,000 sons on Nicki Minaj, please. Just for the sake of authenticity and consistency. Because this should not go unpunished. All right, so let's move on to our next topic, shall we? Let's move on to our next topic. Meek Mill versus Tory Lanez. So I didn't know that this was a thing at one point in time. But apparently it is. So let's talk about it. So Meek Mill is coming off the award-winning, actually not even award, how, how, how would I put this? He was the award recipient, there we go, that's what I want to say. He was the award recipient of the Nelson Mandela Award for his um, advocacy of prison reform. I have my thoughts about that, but I'm going to leave that alone for another, for another episode because it's not about that right now. But nonetheless, he won an award for his advocacy in that realm, and he posted about it on social media. So he posted like a, I guess it was one of his verses and what have you. And basically he spelt a word wrong within that verse. So while people are congratulating him, Tory Lanez hops on his social media feed and corrects him on the word that he was, that he spelt incorrectly. Mikabel took offense to this. They did a, they do a little bit of a back and forth. And then Mikabel says, I don't F with you. And so what looked to be harmless at first is now turning into a contentious, quote unquote, war of words between the two. So I don't know. I thought this was interesting because Meek Mill, in my opinion, is one of the most sensitive rappers of all time. He's super sensitive and a lot of rappers are sensitive, but his level of sensitivity is through the roof. Like this is the same guy who got mad at his label mates in Wall, or I, I should say former label mates in Wale because of the fact that he didn't tweet about his album coming out. That is sensitivity. Or that he didn't switch his AVI to a photo of Meek Mill's latest album. That is sensitivity. So him, you know, reacting this way towards Tory Lanez, I'm not surprised. But at the same time, it's like, why are you acting like this? So you're now going to insinuate that this person is not rocking with you or you're not going to associate with this person because they made a spelling correction on your post. I mean, sure, it could have been tongue in cheek, but even if it is tongue in cheek, you could have just taken it as such. You could have been like laughing my ass off, bro, you crazy for that, all that. You could have just laughed it off right there or you could have just not responded at all. You could have, you could have looked at that like you would a regular average everyday fan and not respond to it but no you had your kevin durant twitter fingers ready and you decided that you were going to respond to that for what reason for what reason i don't know man make mill i li- listen some people rock out to him um a lot of people think that he's one of the greatest rappers of this era i beg to differ i think he's i personally think he's a poser in my personal opinion i don't think he's a gangster um, I just th- I think he's a studio gangster. I think he's a studio gangster. I think he's someone who has benefited throughout his career with being aligned with a lot of great people. His first record deal came with T.I. when he was part of Grand Hustle 
around the later 2000s when he was trying to get a mixtape buzz. Things didn't work out with Grand Hustle, so he goes to uh, MMG with Rick Ross. Perfect situation for him because of the image that he was trying to present and, and what their status quo was as far as the kind of rap and music that they make in general. He was their flagship artist, in my personal opinion. And then, you know, he does a jail stint, comes back out, and now he's on 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 Rock Nation under Jay-Z's label. And to have the guidance and tutelage of Jay-Z, like, there's nothing more that you could want in an artist situation. And yet, time after time after time again, he has found a way to screw himself over in certain situations, even though he's had T.I., Rick Ross, and Jay-Z as not only his label bosses, but his mentors as well. Those are three of the greatest rappers of all time that you've had as mentors, including your latest one, who is arguably the greatest rapper of all time. And yet, still, you find yourself not knowing how to move and navigate within these situations. I don't understand. I don't understand. This is somebody who literally has the world as his oyster, and he still finds a way to screw himself over. I do not know why. This guy just does not know how to move. And yet, this is the same guy that so many people out there are saying is the, one of the best rappers of the past decade. I'm not going to deny the fact that he has hits. He definitely has hits. But he's had some misses. Not maybe, not maybe with the content and the songs, but with a lot of the things that he's done throughout his career up until this point. I mean, getting himself into jail multiple times instigating a beef with Drake, which he lost, instigating beef with a lot of rappers in which he lost in general, and then a public breakup with Nicki Minaj that had him looking like a sucker. And yet still, a lot of people give this guy the sauce. I don't know why. But all all I'll say is this. If this, and I doubt this will happen, but if this evolves into a feud, a rap feud, and we actually get bars. I'm here for it. I'm going to listen. I'm going to tune in. And if that does happen, and I'm not saying this because of my Canadian bias, but I think Tory Lanez will give him that work. I remember Tory and um, uh, uh, Joyner Lucas went at it bar for bar, and it was more of like a like a friendly rivalry that they had before we even realized it. But he was going bar for bar with him. And I was like, okay, Tory, I did not expect that from him. That was cool. But if we get that between him and Meek, I'm here for it. But with that said, I think Meek will win. Or sorry, not Meek. I think Tory will win. Meek doesn't have bars like that. I'm sorry. Like Meek has to be the worst battle rapper of all time as far as I'm concerned. For somebody who prides himself in coming from that element, there's nothing about him that screams out battle rapper. Like, yeah, he has the aggressive vocal tone, but he doesn't have bars. He doesn't have any quotables. He doesn't have anything that makes you squeeze your face or makes you hit that, that playback button real quick. He doesn't have that. There's, I can't remember one thing that this guy has said in a battle rap-esque type of record that he's done in the past that makes me want to say, yo, he's nice. Never happened. And this is the guy who instigates beef with, with a lot of rappers. He's done it, again, with Drake. He's done it with Cassidy. He did it with Kendrick Lamar. This guy's a goofball. I'm sorry. This guy's a goof. He's a goof. And like, if you're a fan of his, then you gotta, you have to tell me why you're a fan of him. Like, I'm curious to know why he piques your interest. Cause I just don't get it. I don't get it. But you guys let me know. All my cool cats and cool kittens out there, let me know if there's something that I'm missing or if you actually agree with what I'm saying. And speaking of Drake and Rick Ross, that leads us to our final topic of Trip Talk. I'm loving these segues I have in in half of these uh, segments, by the way. I'm on point with these today. My goodness. Anyways, enough of the humble bragging. Let's talk about Drake, shall we? Let's talk about Drake and Rick Ross. So during, uh, during an interview... I think it was an interview. It was either an interview or social media posting. But nonetheless, Drake stated that the best rapper alive is Rick Ross. And I'm not surprised that he, would stay, uh, that he would say this because of the fact that him and Rick Ross have been frequent collaborators for the past decade, I would say. I would say ever since 2011, him and Rick Ross have collaborated on a lot of songs. So from 2010, I think ever since after... 
after he dropped uh, Thank Me Later, they've been frequent collaborators on one another's songs. I mean, there's so many. There's Lord Knows. There's Tap My Name. There's I'm On One. Uh, so many records that they can think of. Um, Paris Morton Music, or was it was it was it Paris Morton Music? Uh, or no, no, no. It was Aston Martin Music. It was Aston Martin Music, and Paris Morton Music was a remix that Drake did for for himself. Anyways, I digress. They've been frequent collaborators, and they've even hinted that. Someday they'll do a project together entitled YOLO. Now, I don't know if YOLO is still going to be the name, but it was trendy for like 10 years ago and everyone was just saying YOLO this and YOLO that. I remember that. But should they do a project together? My personal opinion, I think they should. I think it's long awaited. It's long overdue. And they have enough chemistry together that the project would work. It would flow seamlessly with one another. They both have a good ear for production. They both know how to, to craft songs. They're, they're, they're amazing when it comes to hooks. They have really good chemistry. And I would love to hear a project featuring those two. I can imagine the production on there. You're going to get something from Just Blaze. You're going to get something from 40. You're going to get something from Boy Wonder. You're going to get something from... Uh, uh, Justice League for sure. You might get something from Heatmakers. Either way, the project will be bananas. Now, the only thing that's been holding this back, in my personal opinion, is probably the label, uh, the label politics, because it's not like two guys going on a mixtape together and then just making songs and what have you. There are contracts that need to be created for this for this project, and both of their apparent labels have to agree on said on said terms, and that's often the reason why you'll never see a lot of these, you know, big supergroup or duo projects come out. Way back in like the the later two thousands, maybe early twenty tens at the latest, we were supposed to get a project from Kanye West, Pharrell, and Lupe Fiasco entitled Child Rebel Soldier. We were supposed to get that, but one of the issues surrounding that were labels. So Kanye was on Def Jam, which is parented by Interscope, which is parented by Universal. Uh, Lupe Fiasco was on Atlantic Records, and Pharrell, as a solo artist, I can't remember which label he signed to, actually. I know he has his own imprint, but as a, as a solo artist, he has, I think he signed to something else. But nonetheless... Label disputes, and then the, and then allegedly, you know, Lupe was saying that Kanye was kind of holding back the the project as well. So there's that. Um, also, we were supposed to get, and this one I can't even say label disputes. This one it just did not happen for whatever reason. But Lil Wayne and Drake, they're supposed to do a project together. Now we can't even talk about label issues or anything like that because they're both on the same label. Young Money, Cash Money, Universal, like that should have happened. For all accounts, that should have happened. Maybe it was because of the fact that Lil Wayne was dealing with his own label drama with Birdman as far as trying to get the Carter Five out, and there's so much you know delay with that. On top of that, Lil Wayne just records a ton of material every second for, uh, per day. It feels like so. Eventually, they weren't able to get that out. They did a, a tour together where it was Drake versus Lil Wayne, but nothing like an actual song. <clears throat> and then we were supposed to get. J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar. Now, that can uh, harken back to label politics as usual because J. Cole is with Rock Nation. I don't know who's who, which parent label they belong to. And then you have Kendrick Lamar, who's a TDE, that, which is also aligned with uh, Interscope Records, and the Interscope's parent label is Universal. So, again, so many different titles that we could have had under our belts by now, but because of the fact that label politics often get in the way, we haven't had that. I would say from a mainstream standpoint, the only big name supergroups that we've gotten to see the light of day on were The Firm, which is way back in 1997 with Nas, AZ, uh, Foxy Brown, and Dr. Dre. And then Watch the Throne with Kanye and Jay-Z, who were both Rockefeller, who were both Def Jam at the time. That's it. In fact, I was actually shocked that Jay and Kanye were able to come together to make that happen. I was shocked. I was like, no way that's happening. But it actually did happen. So good on them for that. Other than that, the only other group I can think of is Run the Jewels. But they were more underground acts than anything. But then their name and their popularity and the amount of records and albums that they've done together since joining as Run the Jewels has catapulted them into mainstream success. So 
yeah, these super groups things, they they never they rarely ever happen. But I would love for a situation where we would get Drake and Rick Ross because they they complement each other so well, so well. Like they are like the tag team in wrestling that you see those guys as solo as solo uh in-ring competitors, but then when they combine forces for that random odd tag team match here and there, they make some magic together and you say to yourselves, man. They need at least one trip with the belts. Give them that one trip. I want to see Drake and Rick Ross. You can call it YOLO. You can call it whatever the hell you want to call it. But we need to see it happen for the culture. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the final segment. The final segment of the show. You already know what it is. But in case you don't, then let me reintroduce it for you, if I may. Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has entered the captain, or better yet, who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. And the Wankster of the Week goes to none other than professional basketball player P.J. Washington. Oh my goodness. Now, I was contemplating on which part of the show that I was going to put this in, but I figured, why not leave it in the Wankster of the Week column? It has to. I might go a little long on this one. Who knows? But nonetheless, it needs to be said. Anyways, I digress. The reason why I'm giving PJ Washington the Wankster of the Week is because he decided that it was a good idea to not only date, but to marry a renowned infamous Instagram model who goes by the name of Brittany Renner. All right. Now you, as an NBA player, you, you have your list of suitors and, and, and things of that nature, and you can do whatever you want, whomever you want with, with another consenting adult. You can do all that, but just know that there are going to be consequences if you mess with the wrong person. And this was the wrong person. You know why she was the wrong person? Because this Brittany Renner person has been known to hook up with many pro athletes and has actually gone on video to coach other women in her position that if they want a quick cash come up or a long term one, then it's best to settle with an athlete. Why? Because athletes, in her words, are dumb. And in this situation and in other situations alike, I can't exactly argue with her because she's not wrong. There are a lot of athletes who move sloppy, especially the young ones. And it's in those situations where the younger athletes really need to, you know, communicate with people who are older than them, who have been in their position before as just in general as being an athlete who's making a lot of money and things of that nature. Now, here's 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 where, you know, the the fail comes into play. And I'm not absolving her of this because she's a piece of shit for doing this. But. Again, you have to be, you have to prepare yourself for the world that that you live in, not the world that that you wish to see it in. But the scummy thing that comes into into play is the fact that you know, while these people were married, behind his back, she actually went and got a divorce filed. And because she got the divorce filed, she is now being awarded $200, sorry, $200,000 a month in child and spousal support because they had a child recently apparently and now she's cashing in on that as well as spousal support so that she can transition into a new set of life where she can can be where she can be accommodated and adjusted into her current status of living that she's been living in forever for however long that she's been married to this pj washington person (sighs) now Here's the thing when it comes to PJ PJ Washington's contract. He is on a rookie scale contract. So the contract that he's currently on right now is a four-year deal that's worth $12 million. He gets paid about $3 million annually. So that contract expires in two years. So the thing about that contract is the fact that once it expires, depending on if he's able to renegotiate for a new one or not, he is going to be eligible for what's called restricted free agency. And it is imperative that if you want to get a larger deal or a larger offer, either by the team you're currently signed to or another team, then you have to ball your ass out in that contract year. Because once you do that, then you're eligible to get a lot more money depending on what type of provisions you hit. So if you get if you score over 20 points a game, if you're all NBA, this all NBA, that you make an all star team, et cetera, et cetera, you are in bounce. You are in play to get a higher increase. 
Now, when it comes to restricted free agency, the way that works is that the team that he's on right now, which is the Charlotte Hornets, they can match any offer that any other team gives him. And so let's say a team offers him, let's just say, just I'm just spewing out a random number, $80,000 over four years, which means you're getting $20 million annually. If a team offers that, all the Hornets have to do is match that and they automatically retain his rights. But if there's a team that offers more than that, or if or if the Hornets don't want to match that, then they have 48 hours to decide whether or not they don't want to match it. If they don't, then he goes off to that team that's offering him that much. Now, with that, if he's getting two, if she is going to be getting $200,000 a month from him for the next 18 years, that amount can actually increase the more money he makes. Because when it comes to these family courts, they basically have a percentage that they deduct from from that from that man's earnings basically and whatever that percentage is is the amount that 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 the spouse is going to get and that's why people always say you know people are always talking about athletes and and rappers and what have you because they make a lot of money and so i don't know what the percentage is but i'm sure it's a small percentage but even though it's a small percentage just you know just by reading it on a blank page depending on how much money that is that quote unquote small percentage could be could equal out to a large amount of money. And if we're talking about uh, uh, I'm not even talking about a high profile athlete. We're talking about an athlete who's on a a minimum deal right now. And you put it this way: this is this is the this is the funny thing about it. A lot, and this is probably the longest wanks of the week segment I've ever done right now. But I just want to break it down for you guys, just so you know how easy it is to trap these athletes nowadays. Put it this way: for all my Raptors fans out here. Norman Powell, gotta love the dude, understand the grind. He signed a deal with the uh, Portland Trailblazers, uh, a five-year deal worth $90 million, okay? This is Norman Powell. Now, he's not an all-star. He's not a superstar. At best, he's probably a notable name within the NBA because he was able to win a championship with the Raptors two years ago, and he contributed uh, to that championship. He wasn't riding the bench or anything like that. He was actually part of the rotation, put in like 15 a game, something like that. And he did very well for himself this past year. Um, I think he averaged around 18 to 19 points a game and on 40% three-point shooting. Very good. Very good stats. 20 years ago to this day, there was a player who signed not only for the same amount of money, but for more years. Instead of 90 million five years, it was 90 million six years, which meant that this player in particular was getting paid less on an annual basis, because the money spread out through six years now. Superstar player as well. Or, or sorry, I should say superstar player, unlike Norman Powell. And it just goes to show how much the money has changed over the course of two decades. Do you know who this player was? It was Vince Carter. Vincent Lamar Carter. The same man who won the 2000 dunk contest. The same man who jumped over a seven-footer in the Olympics back in 2000. The same man who has played basketball in four decades. That guy got paid $90 million over six years. Norman Powell got paid $90 million over five years. Compare the two resumes. This just goes to show how much money a player can make in the NBA nowadays without having to be a superstar. Giannis Antetokounmpo last summer signed an extension, well worth extension, by the way, based on all of his accomplishments, you know, from then up until now, even up until now, especially up until now, for $228 million. So I say all this to say that these athletes, whether basketball, football, whatever the case may be, they have to move smarter. And the fact that you decided that it was a good idea to get married, not even date, but to get married, to get married to a known Instagram groupie who has been known for trapping men and for exposing men, especially when it comes to athletes. You decided to get married to her. And she does that, that foul shit behind your back. I don't agree with that. But at the same time, it's hard for me to feel sorry for you knowing that she has put all these videos out on blast. And don't tell me that you haven't seen any of these videos before. Otherwise, how else would you have come into contact with this woman in the first place? 
a lot of people, including the NBA themselves, will say that they're a fraternity. And I believe that because a lot of these guys like to share everything. They like to share lifestyles. They like to share sneaker experts and stuff like that. And they love to share women. They love to share women. A lot of these guys are Eskimo brothers in that regard. And this is no different. But the only difference is that this guy was stupid enough to put a ring on it. And now because he put a ring on it, this girl went behind his back, divorced him, and now has to pay alimony for the next for forever, however long, but including that, has to pay child support for the next 18 years. If I were this guy, I would fight the hell out of this woman for full custody. Not even 50-50, not 80-20, full 100% custody. Because I don't see this girl changing her ways anytime soon. This girl sounds like a person who was, who was, you know, uh, uh, heartbroken by a lot of other guys in the past who knows what her past is but whatever it is it's taken on a toxic form and she is spreading that shit like molasses that shit is spreading faster than delta and unfortunately he got infected so while it is an unfortunate situation at the same time i can't feel sorry for him because he should know better at this stage in his career, he should know better. He should be talking to his OGs. He should be talking to his elders, his peers, teammates about the right thing to do. And if listen, if you want to hook up with other girls, it's cool. Just protect yourself. Wear a condom. You know what I mean? Just wear one. Because that is the difference of saving money for the next 18 years and spending money for the next 18 years. And because you couldn't recognize that difference and you chose not to recognize it in the most egregious and foolish and nonsensical way, PJ Washington, you are getting that wankster of the week. And that about does it for today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. You guys are best if you've made it this far. Um, keep in mind, I would love for you guys to subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Spotify, subscribe. SoundCloud, subscribe. Uh, Google Podcast, subscribe. Google Play Podcast, subscribe. Please, that would mean so much to me. Um, hit that five-star button. Leave a review. Leave a comment. That does dividends for me. Um, you can follow me on, on uh, multiple socials at Cool Radio CC. If you haven't already, please do. That would mean the world to me. And as always, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Once again, it's your man DM Cool. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.